With nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azalay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azalay. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Azoulay, and welcome to From the Ashes, Episode 2. Today, I'm excited to be interviewing my good friend, my colleague, Elliot Andre, talking about practicing perseverance. He's going to share some stories about when he got knocked down, had to get back up, and how he learned to grow as a person along the way. Elliot, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here and a part of your second episode of Through the Ashes. So I'm stoked, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell a little bit about yourself and your story. Perseverance. It's a big one in my life. Definitely had a lot of experiences where I've felt that I have been totally knocked down into the mud. And I'll share one with you today that uh, I think really gets through to a lot of people in a sense of, of the story that I could share. So uh, first, first and foremost, I'm Elliot. I'm a therapist in Boulder. Uh, and I specialize in recreational therapy, which is activity-based therapy, uh, for all those who are concerned or need assistance. Holla. I gotcha. (laughs) Anyways, back to the story. So, uh, it begins in college. I'm a junior. I'm 21 years old. I am ready to go study abroad like most of my other friends and, and colleagues here. And I am applying for study abroad in, in China, in Beijing. It's somewhere I've always wanted to go, someplace that I'm super interested and curious about. And uh, at DU, they have this program called the Charenting uh, Scholarship, where you have to have a 3.0 grade average to get into the program. Obviously, I did not have that, but I still applied anyways, thinking and hoping and fingers crossed that I would get into a program uh, that I so was looking forward to. So I, I, I sit down, I have terrible writing anxiety, Unfortunately, I, I write the, the essay that needs to get in, kind of explaining why I deserve to go, even though my grade point average is in the 3.0, and uh, put all my heart, all my energy into it. You know, three weeks to a month later, I get the letter back, the, the infamous letter of denial. And uh, I, I look at that letter, and, and I'm totally distraught, frustrated, uh, judging myself for the opportunities that I could have had versus what I did. And uh, really spiral into this this real unfortunate place of, of mental health struggle. So, luckily, I uh, have another opportunity down the line to apply for another program, and uh, it's a one that I really am even more excited about now. Knowing well at the time, I was actually dating a gal who was going to be in the program as well. So that definitely threw some wrenches in there, but still, there was much excitement about the opportunity to to apply. So I applied, again, write, have this terrible anxiety about the writing, really put my, my forward foot forward, my foot forward, excuse me, in, in the situation, give it my all. Three weeks later, same thing, get totally denied. I go talk to the professor and uh, he goes straight bluntly, your GPA is not high enough. I said, okay, great. So really need to focus on my education, seems like at this point. To me, a 2.83 GPA was high enough to go to a program, but apparently he, he felt as if it wasn't. And uh, 
totally distraught again. Uh, talked to the the girlfriend about it at the time. She says to me, it's probably a good thing that we didn't go on this trip together. I disagree, but you know, <laughs> we, we get into this kind of space where we're not going to be together anyway. So, uh, well, through that, stop you for a minute here. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that distraught feeling. What was the failure like when you got those two, you know, denials back to back? Yeah, definitely. I, I wish they didn't come in such close succession to each other uh, because I think it really just reiterated to me that it felt like I was a failure, that I didn't put enough energy into school, wasn't focusing enough on on my education at all. I mean, I definitely did find myself uh, in many uh, romantic relationships that I feel like now reflecting on it in the, in the present definitely took away from some of that uh, energy and time into, into school. But yeah, it was, it was a horrendous feeling, man. I, I was judging myself on the regular and definitely just felt lost. Realistically, I, I had this idea of what I was expecting and what I wanted and it was totally shattered within the means of a two month period that really, I didn't have hope. I didn't have hope that I was gonna be able to study abroad. I didn't feel like I was gonna be able to accomplish a lot of the long-term goals that I had set out. It just, it was really, really, really demoralizing for sure. Yeah, to be told by an authority that you're not good enough, it's awful. Yeah, and it was, and it was told really bluntly too, which I would have hoped. <laughs> a uh, professor would be more empathetic or understanding to tell me more so other than just because of my GPA, maybe ask why uh, I was struggling to to achieve that GPA or, or what was going to be in the way. But uh, at that point, I think within these programs, they get so many applicants and it's actually, it's very competitive in that regard to get into some of these experiences and, you know, just to be told bluntly, like, yeah, like you said, not good enough was something that totally threw me off the the path and rail that I was, hopeful to be on at that time. Yeah. So you're in this place, you're down. It sounds like your relationship is starting to fall apart too at the time. Where'd you go from there? Yeah, that's where the perseverance kicked in. I think, I think the, the one thing that I had going for me at the time was recognizing that yes, all this kind of stuff's hitting the fan and it's realistically maybe affect me in the long term, but knowing that, again, there's some acceptance around that too, to the point where it was, it, I was kind of driving myself to just look for other options, but very, very, um, uh, it was looking for other options, but in a very guarded way until I just happenstance happened to go speak to a professor one day and see an advertisement that was for another program it was called Wildland Studies. Uh, something I saw, I was like one of those uh, moments where you pull a, a number and you call. And I was like, I, I never was, who does that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that was, who, who actually calls those things? Uh, but then I saw the poster that was connected to it and what they were explaining on it. And it really caught my eye. And I was like, okay, let's, let's just call on a whim. Let's do it. Let's persevere. Let's put ourselves out there in, in a vulnerable state. Just get some information about the program. Uh, so I called. I spoke to a lovely person. And they, and I asked all the questions I needed to about the experience in the program. And she, and she was really the impetus to just say, you know, I told, I told her, I totally told her everything that transpired. You know, I applied to two programs, been denied. Really, this is really hard for me to be reaching out. And she was like, I just encourage you to apply either, either way. You know, we, grade point aside, it seems like you would be a good fit for this program. 
and you're, you're ready to take the leap. So I said, okay, let's, let's do it. So, so I applied um, and I got in and it was really, it was one of those moments where I, where I got in, I was like, yes, you know, this all paid off. This is for a reason, really kind of representing that experience that I had of, you know, it's okay, right? The acceptance of, of the past is okay. And where I am now is totally good and totally cool and totally straight. And, and, and when I started prepping and planning for the trip, I really recognized this was actually the perfect fit for me. So I got to go travel and, and explore and go to a places I'd never been uh, without anybody that I ever, ever thought of meeting or knowing and totally changed my perspective on life and then became a new person after the fact. Absolutely. So the, the perseverance in that situation is something I always hold dear to my heart because if I didn't persevere, I don't think I would be where I am now. Yeah. What was your moment where you decided to persevere? How did you make that choice? The choice was very difficult to come to, but I think what pushed me or kind of gave me that edge was having validation from somebody to recognize that I can do this. I can apply. I can get in. I can, I can prove to myself in some ways that even if somebody else doesn't want to accept you for who you are, or what you're doing or, or how that looks, that another person may, that another person will really understand and care to be in a position to allow you to experience something with, with any and all the other checkboxes kind of marked off. So I think I hit that, that moment of like, well, now this is the time let's do this. Let's plan. Let's recognize and realize realistically that this program for what it is and what it's offering is way better of an experience for me than would be just jumping into something that felt easy. I, I think that when I first applied for the couple programs that I did, it was like, Oh, this is easy. This is safe. This is comforting. This is a place that I'm familiar with. And then to totally change tracks and, and go somewhere that I knew nothing about, knew not a single person going, was going to countries that I only thought about, you know, or saw in, on Wikipedia or in books or in movies that I never would have experienced. I think that, that curiosity and that excitement about that pushed me, I think, in that way to you know, grin and bear that discomfort that I was feeling before and just go for it. Yes, this person on the phone really had a life-changing impact on you. Oh, absolutely. I think they didn't even have to sell the program. But she just said, Elliot, for what you're describing, what you like, what you're studying, I just think it'd be a really good experience. And uh, just go for it. Go for it. If you don't get in, that's okay. We'll explain why. We'll explain why, not just based on your GPA. Because she, she actually heard me. <laughs> she heard me. I'll never forget Leslie Traeger. I'll never forget her. Leslie she, Traeger. Uh, yeah. yeah, she... Uh, she just was such a nice and welcoming human <laughs> to this program that had nothing to do with the college that I went to at all. I mean, it was based in California and they just happenstance had to throw some advertisement at, at uh, DU where I went. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, right? That she, yeah, you still remember to this day, right? She believed in you. She saw you. She heard you. And it sounds like she inspired you to take this plunge and put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And, and taking that plunge is, like I said, the best thing I've ever did. I, I, did, I learned more about myself being in those countries. I was in India. I was in Cambodia. I was in Laos. I was in Vietnam. And I was in Thailand. 
And I don't think I would have ever gotten that. Ex- I don't think I will get that experience again until many years down the road to go experience something like that, go to these developing countries and have it nothing, right? Just I had the pack on my back and that was it. And just living and immersing myself in these cultures and in places just created this new version of myself that I, you know, thank God every day that I had. Cause I, I mean, I, before then it was, it was, it was not good. My, my life before going and studying abroad was, was something that uh, I laugh about and reflect about now, but I was a totally different person. I was a self-conscious um, degrading asshole. If I'm going to play it lightly, it's truthful. I, I definitely was not respectful for, to myself or others in any way, shape or form and just was getting by. And uh, when I finally was able to go somewhere and shed all that kind of uh, mask, all the masks that I was wearing and, and wake up in the most sacred place of my eyes in the world in India and in the Himalaya, you know, it put everything into perspective, everything. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the person you were before? Yeah. That guy I like, I, I've never met him, you know, <laughs> not, 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 not a lot of people have luckily. Uh, met that person before, but I'll say it was, it was definitely rooted in deep sadness, insecurity, depression, everything, anything that, you know, I wanted to accomplish felt like I never could. I felt like I was, I was living in somebody's shadow, um, felt overly confident, but was all mask was nothing, nothing real or authentic about my existence. It was, it was very much. So how do I fit into this place? How do I find myself? Uh, overcompensating to find comfort, jumping from relationship to relationship, long-term relationships uh, more so, but jumping from relationship to relationship, trying to find that sense of self through somebody rather than myself and really um, disliking the person that I was, but always finding solace and knowing that people somehow cared or liked me. Um, I, I always found myself, I remember freshman year, I never forget this, on my hall, there was, it was me and a bunch of other people, you know, 20 other people. And, uh, there was like three or four guys that came to college, kind of socially anxious, didn't really know themselves well, never, you know, been with women, never, you know, experienced partying, whatever. And they latched onto me. And it was like my sense of, of accomplishment in that regard. Like I have a group of people that look up to me that, think I'm the coolest person ever, even though realistically it's all a facade, but yet they see this, this mat, this person who's mastered it, right. This person who's mastered how to, and it really, really was more so wrapped around like women, you know, mastered this way of, you know, being with women and sweet talking and being suave and cool. I, and I'll, this is a funny story, but it's like the second night of college and I found myself being intimate with this woman and all the buddies that I'm talking about were like, dude, how did you do that? It's the second day of school, bro. And I was like, I don't know. I just did. <laughs> so really yeah, funny I mean, in that way. Well, and that's really attractive. I mean, I was in freshman year, I was those dorks, right? So like, I totally get it. I was the other side where women in particular felt intimidating, scary, didn't know how to say, didn't know what to talk about, right? Like there's like, would seize up, get like all weird, you know, be like, ah, do you like toast? Right. Like just no idea about anything. Um, yeah. I probably had an Elliot in my life. 
I think, I think a lot of people do. I mean, I, even with where I was, I still sought a confident role model per se in regards of what I was doing and uh, always was, was striving for that person. Always was striving for that person. Um, I, I, I found it and I saw it a lot in my way of like latching on to people in a sense of um, putting way, what I saw, putting too much effort into connecting with somebody who felt like I didn't put any effort into connecting with me. So I saw the opposite of it as well uh, in regards to what that looked like of, of reaching for that other person, that other dude or woman, whoever that I looked up to that wasn't giving me as much as I was giving them. Absolutely. And talking about that inner emptiness that you felt. Yeah. The inner emptiness was real. Uh, it was, it was, it was that sense of, you know, you're around people, you're around people and you're, um, you're lonely, even though you're with people. It was always something that I felt like I struggled with. It was always that insecurity of I'm around these people. I'm having a good time, but really I feel lonely, even though I'm around them or with them. Something that I felt for a very long time, for sure. Until I went abroad. Yeah. You know, that's a really common feeling. Many of the clients that I work with talk about that, that loneliness, right? It's not, it's not about being around people. It's not about actually physically being alone. It's about being known, being heard, right? Being, feeling cared for. And it sounds like even though you were very social, you were having that feeling of just, yeah, wearing a mask, right? And the mask was real. It was really heavy. And it was something that I rarely took off. I didn't know how to. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we move into our commercial break, I want to hear a lot more about that mask. I think a lot of people have that. I had my own version of that. I'd love to talk about that in the next segment. And then I want to hear about the person that you became, right? The person that I know here in Colorado that's, you know, confident, full of life, adventurous. Um, and I think, you know, the thing I love about you, Elliot, is how just heart-centered you are, you know? Like, you have such a heart of gold. And my sense is that this experience and, you know, later experience in your life, I think really helped to open up your heart, it sounds like. It really helped you to want to deeply connect with people and connect with yourself. I find that really admirable. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Let's, di let's dive into it after this commercial break. Okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, 
being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azalay.teachable.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-C-Azalay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm Mark Azalay, your host, and I'm talking to Elliot Andre about coming back from being rejected of going to a study abroad program. And when we left off with him last time, he was talking about the person he was before this program, feeling empty inside, wearing masks, you know, doing the cool party stuff, right? Talking to women, right? Being comfortable in those settings, but actually feeling very alone. Elliot, can you tell us more about those masks that you wore? Absolutely, Mark. I wore a different mask for every day, every opportunity, every week, every hour, realistically, uh, I had so many masks on at so many different times that it was really hard to find that sense of self. And when I'd start to shed those masks off, I found myself wanting to put them right back on. There was this the sense of vulnerability that felt weak and not masculine and, and irritating to other people that I constantly would, again, take a step forward, take a mask off, and then shove it right back on my face because it felt so uh, anxiety-provoking to be in a position where I was going to be my authentic self, this, this person who was sensitive, who uh, was, was too much in some situations, was uh, loud and proud and comfortable with myself. So it really took a lot of time, energy, perseverance to find my avenues to be able to express myself in the most authentic way I could shedding those masks throughout those experiences. Yeah. I know for me, I mean, similar going to college, I was a huge nerd, right? Like 
really overweight, really poor self-esteem. Uh, I was in a relationship that was not very satisfying. And when I came to college, I wanted to recreate a new person, right? And I recreated a person that, you know, whatever I was, 18, 19-year-old thought was cool. And that's when I started, you know, doing drugs. That's when I started pretending I could party, started pretending I talked to women. Like I, I would just lie, right? I'd be like, oh yeah, I've done this tons of time. I'm like definitely a badass. And I really missed an opportunity there because I went to, you know, Carnegie Mellon University, which is a nerd school. And I was finally around my people, but because I hated myself, quite frankly, so deeply, I couldn't connect with those people. Like I'd finally found my tribe and I couldn't connect with them and I would just push them away. Um, and try to connect with the people that were more into the party scene or more of the rebellious people or more of the outcast people. And uh, yeah, it really got me in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Finding that tribe in college is, is something that I think we assume is so easy and so comfortable, but so many people come into the situation, me, me, myself included with what you're describing as like this version of ourselves who we think is cool. And, and, and I didn't come out, into my own comfort until again, like I'll say, when I went abroad, it was three, almost three full years of that consistent cool guy that I thought people really liked and enjoyed. That was disrespectful. That was a jackass. That was somebody who constantly degraded people. And for my own benefit of feeling better. I mean, I was a, put it plainly. I was a bully. I was a bully. I was somebody who had no respect for myself and was constantly projecting that onto other people and wanting to feel cared for and loved and, and seek the validation that I never, I thought I never got as a child, realistically. We don't need to go into that super past part of myself unless we'd like to, but in regards to what that was, it, it showed up in so many different uh, ways and, and places that I was so not even attuned to. I thought I was a reflective person, but I was absolutely not at all. And recognize that as I started this transition and change after coming back from abroad of, of how I actually was or how I was versus how I perceived myself. And that, that transition and that change was humongous. It was a giant slap in the face to recognize how many people I hurt, how many times that I hurt myself, how many experiences that I left a bad taste in, in people's mouths because of just my actions or what I what I did. And uh, that reflective period is, is really beneficial, extremely difficult and hard. But what was what allowed me to kind of come through the ashes exactly and take off some of those masks. I mean, I remember uh, I, I came back from abroad and I was, went to get groceries and I was walking back home. And, and I saw this, this child who was in a full upright uh, wheelchair, somebody uses, uh, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember, but a full upright system that allows them uh, to be upright, but not still move their limbs. I think it was a person who had, who had a big diagnosis with cerebral palsy or something along the lines of that. And as I'm walking back and I'm, and I'm looking at this, per- and I'm looking at this person, uh, I break down completely, like totally start crying pain, like immense pain of, of what I was experiencing. And I was like, I wish I could have experienced that and expressed that type of pain then, but I'm, I'm glad that I had the experiences that I was when I was abroad to be able to allow myself that space to do that, just to cry, to let it be, to, to be so grateful for what I had versus what somebody may have not had and, and just be okay with that and not feel like I was judging myself 
and not feel like I was, you know, weak or, or what have you for being vulnerable. But it, it's a, an experience I'll never forget of just recognizing that I'm changing, that I'm a different person to be able to express that openly and freely on the street in Denver. Yeah, it's a really powerful image. I mean, I was feeling little, little tears welling up just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It's really a lot of pain. Can you tell us a little bit about some experiences you had abroad and how that put the mirror on the person that you were? Abroad was, <laughs> let's see. Well, I think the, the first experience was that I had was culture shock of being in India, starting off this program of just seeing what little people have yet, how happy and extraordinarily, incredibly giving and welcoming these people are for the, for the people that I interacted with. Right. Um, just seeing the spirituality of, of everybody in this, in this country and, and just knowing how from, from the caste system to the total, um, differentiation of wealth just to see like where I was and how I floated into that experience. One thing I I, I remember was that we were about to pop on a train to go North to the mountains. And this woman was sitting there in the train station bleeding. Like her arm was cut open, like horrendously. And I'm like, why is nobody helping this person? What, what is going on? The police are walking by there's, you know, India's billions of people. Nobody's stopping by to just help this person. I took it upon myself at that point. I was like, I'm going to help this person. I don't know the language. I don't know anything. I'm just going to go over. I'm going to offer them something. I had some uh, duct tape in my bag or something. And she had a bag that she had on her arm that was like trying to press on the wound. So I was like, here, let me help you. So I I grabbed the duct tape and I wrapped her arm up and like, just put pressure on it. And uh, at that point I was like, holy mackerel. Like I just maybe helped save somebody, you know, in, in my, in my moment, I would have never have done that years ago. I would have never have thought to just help somebody like that for my own selfish reasons. So to have that experience right, literally as soon as I got there, got out of the airplane, walked through the terminal, got on a train to do that. I was like, okay, this is real. I, I, this is where I'm at. The other, I think, essence of, of being abroad was being so sick at one point to the thought, to the point where I thought I was literally going to die. Uh, I got Giardia when I was in India and I was camping miles and miles away from any type of help. And uh, another essence of perseverance of, of working through that and knowing that I was going to be okay was, was something that, again, kind of kickstarted that experience of change. But at, at, at many moments of, of experiencing that, um, you know, constant sickness, dehydration, like I literally was like, I, I can't go on. I can't go on. Luckily I had the support of the people that I was with to empower me and help me get through that. But that, that was a life-changing moment of like, and this is what and my thought was like, that people deal with this in India every day. They don't have access to clean drinking water. They don't have access to medical supplies on the regular. And it was like, I am even privileged of just being able to be here and get through this in comparison to the other people that I've interacted with to, to know that I'll be okay. But man, was that, a shocker to the system for sure. There were some real humbling experiences. Yeah. The most humbling, honestly. Um, and then to this day, it's things that I reflect about and think about to know that I was so honestly, so lucky really. And kind of that humbling experience allowed me to, again, even take off more masks and persevere through, through some of those experiences of knowing like, it's okay to admit that you're not well. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be in a position 
knowing and feeling these experiences that if you were to express to a colleague, they're super vulnerable and be okay with it. You know, it shed all these layers off, um, especially being in the Himalayas, like the waking up in the most beautiful sacred place in the world for me was uh, very humbling. And even in that sense, I have the privilege to do that. Wild. Yeah. So you had these experiences that sounds like, you know, yeah, make you aware of, you know, your privilege, make you aware of the, how good we have it here in America and rack your heart open of really seeing suffering that isn't so common here. Right. Or at least if it is, it's well hidden. Yeah. And I think that that essence of suffering and then you know, after India going to Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and Thailand, especially being in, in uh, Cambodia, uh, for me, the amount of suffering with what transpired over there, I mean, you feel it, you feel it there in, in the energy of knowing that there was a genocide that happened only 30 years before I studied abroad there um, and, and reading books and talking to the locals and just asking them about their experiences and what this was like for them. Total humbling experience for me and, and recognizing again, how good we have it, where we're at because of what's transpired and, and just the, the essence of knowing that these people, like millions of people, you know, had these experiences of just, and they're gone. They're, they're, they're washed away. There's nothing there other than the remnants of their body parts or bones or things like that. And just to see that and feel it, you know, and touch it and be a part of it. Literally, I compare, I don't want to compare, but I compare it to the essence of possibly going to like a concentration camp in, in uh, Poland or what have you, or something along the lines of that. But it just like this, just thinking this happens and this can happen again. I need to change something. I need to do something different with my life. Cause right now I'm, I'm living this in this la la land of, insecurities and frustrations with myself that I, I need to get out of. I need to get through. Cause I, I can't, I mean, this is how things like that happen. I think, you know, in regards of what that looks like fear and insecurity. You're saying, I think is very important is that you're able to connect some of your patterns to the patterns that made these atrocities transpire. Yes. hundred percent. I know it's maybe extreme on the spectrum in regards to what that looks like. or I'm comparing it, but it's absolutely true. Absolutely true in regards of, of how seeing that just literally smacked me in the face to recognize that, holy moly, like this, this is real. And the, the stuff that I'm doing right now can cause things like that or, or the things that I'm doing now can really perpetuate this, this, this feeling of supremacy almost, right? I, I found myself being in such a place of, of, of being a bully or being disrespectful to people that you know, I don't know what transpired with them. I don't know if that affected them long-term, but I know sure hell well that it can. It affected me on the other end of it, being the bully. You know, I woke up many days being like, you're worthless. You're, you're garbage. Why? Well, you don't deserve to live. I mean, it was to those extremes of, of these experiences that like, I, until I owned it, until I lived it, until I was a part of it, when I started abroad, like I wouldn't have had it. I, I'd literally say this regularly that if I was, it was did not have the experience to study abroad, I would not be here today. I mean, that's extreme. I, I would not be the person I am today. I would still be immature, bullying, lonely, 
to it. Can you tell us some of the changes that you made? After having that light, you know, shown, shown on you, how did you actually change yourself? A lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, um, self-reflection, a lot of apologizing, a lot of uh, communication with past people that I may have hurt, uh, a lot of space to just kind of let myself be okay with what transpired and not hold on to the past, but try to be in that present um, and really, really live my experience the way that I wanted to uh, with all these layers shut off. I'd, I'd say more so than anything also, uh, just being okay with myself and not relying on a relationship to feel validated or feel comfortable or to feel like I was created in this like couple. Like I, I, de, I totally like de detached from all these types of social contracts that I felt like I needed somebody to feel all these other things. So um, a lot of self-reflection in that and a, a very good amount of, of using skills that I've taken from therapy, hundred percent, just self-compassion, self-love, all those things that really, I think I was not experiencing at all before then. Um, I think the other, the other part of it was just a recognition that I, I am worthy. I am cool. I am good. I am all these things that I really didn't feel like I was capable of experiencing then. Um, and kind of going on my own. Like I, again, to me, you know, struggling with a lot of anxiety then and health anxiety in particular, you know, to go on this program with nobody, with nothing, with just a pack on my back and then come back and kind of live that life fully as I did then was an incredible transition to allow myself to find this light within myself and persevere into this person I am today. And, and granted, there was definitely ups and downs. Progress is not linear. Definitely glad I had some of those dips to kind of recognize where or how I wanted to be, for sure. Yeah, it's so interesting. I wish uh, maybe in the third segment we can talk more about the decoupling experience. In my experience, it was it was the opposite. It's what the work I continue to do is actually letting people into my life, right, and not being so okay being alone or pushing people away or, you know, disconnecting from others. Um, I think it's, yeah, I was reflecting, I think it's similar feelings, but they manifested differently. You know, mm -hmm. my feeling of self-hatred or unworthiness came from a place of being like, you know, no one can help me. No one understands me. Nobody gets me. Um, what's the point, right? What's the point of connecting with others? What's the point of asking for help? What's the point of, you know, becoming part of a group? Um, those were challenges. Those are real challenges. Uh, I, I had to deal with. And it sounds like for you, it was trying to get those needs met in a relationship and learning how to meet them yourself. Absolutely. Less towards the middle there. Absolutely. And finding, finding myself was the hardest thing I ever did when I studied abroad. And it was the most necessary thing that I ever did. I, I right. needed it. I needed, I needed to rip the bandaid off to be able to experience that. Yeah, because you're over there, and you don't know anybody, and it's just you and your, you know, survival instinct, and you don't speak the language, and yeah, you're just alone. I'd imagine in a way that you had never been, right? Truly foreign in a different area, in an area that is significantly more dangerous than where you were from. You hit the nail on that. So, 
as we're wrapping up this section, uh, moving on to segment three. So if you're listening, I would love to hear if this is impacting you. Uh, please send us an email. You can send an email to podcast at mark-asley.com with any thoughts that you have about the show, any questions you have for Elliot. Um, you know, we're looking at doing some Q&A sessions in the future, some panel sessions. And I'd imagine that, you know, Elliot, your story really has a lot of resonance with some of the listeners out there. Um, also, definitely subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star review. It really helps, especially early on as we're building this podcast and building this platform and building this community. It really helps to get us some more visibility and to, you know, bring these stories and these words out to as many people as possible. And lastly, definitely like us on Facebook, you know, like our tweets, join us with hashtag from the ashes. We're doing all the social stuff just to see uh, where the interest is, you know, and to start sharing these more honest conversations about triumph and defeat. So, Stay tuned. We'll be joining you back for segment three. And in a moment, listen to a word from our sponsors. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azalay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash, azalay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com and check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Azalay. Welcome back to From the Ashes. In our final segment here, we're talking to Elliot Andre about perseverance. We're talking about shedding masks. We're talking about, you know, recovering from being a bully and recovering from low self-esteem and self-hatred and moving towards a place of radical acceptance of being more open-hearted and accepting oneself for who they are. Uh, Elliot, can you tell us more of what would you want a listener to hear, right? If someone is listening and they're like, wow, I am that person right now. And say, you know, maybe they can't go abroad or they can't make the same change you did. What would you want them to hear from your story? What advice would you give them? I'd like them to hear the authenticity of me sharing and, and recognizing that sharing for me at this point is the most healing. And, and knowing that the person that I was is not the person that I am today. And it's okay to know that those changes are big, that they're real, that the transitions have happened and to recognize that if you put, and if you can put the energy and time into knowing and reflecting and recognizing that you may need support to seek that, to go out and to make some of those changes that you feel like would make you feel like you're a better person realistically or or subjectively a better person, whatever that looks like for you. I think the biggest thing that I've, I've recognized over the years is that, if I can represent myself in a way that feels comfortable, safe, and extraordinary to myself first, then I can give to the world. You know, being, being, being a therapist and, and being a person who is helping and listening and trying my best to support people every day, I have to do a lot of work within myself. And there's no way that I could be doing the work that I'm doing now if I didn't have those experiences that I did then to really represent and recognize how much I needed or felt like I needed to change and grow and, and be in a position to really feel comfortable and safe with myself. Cause for many years I did not at all. And it was really something that was holding me down to recognize that. Yeah. I'm curious. What hard truth did you learn about yourself or learn about the world? That I'm not the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not near, <laughs> that I'm not that cool. I think I, I, that I, that I'm doing this uh, because of some of the trauma or experiences I've had in my childhood that I can own those now and know that it's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to be in this position where you're not well, you're not feeling good. You're, you're, you're sad, but it's just what you do with it that, changes the course of the transition of time with, as it passes. Cause again, I know that there's people out there listening who have experienced similar things, maybe not to the extreme or the same way, but in regards of this feeling of, of self-hatred or loathing or, or frustration with self, it's how we go about experiencing those moments in between until we kind of find that space of our most authentic self that we can really work through or work on to get where we want to be. Cause I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of what I experienced was feeling like I was like stuck in the mud. I didn't know how, I didn't know where to go to really be able to find those outlets or myself in these situations. Cause it was a constant circle and cycle of, of the same shit 
for a very long period of time. And to finally break that cycle was the most freeing experience I think I could ever have, which is with myself. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the piece you said about personal responsibility really rings true for me where, you know, I really considered myself a victim for the longest time, right. Of being like, Oh my God, all these things happened to me. I'm broken. I'm damaged. I'm never going to get better. You know, there's no way out. Um, and I think, you know, part of that, there was some necessary necessity to that where I think I really had to grieve. I mean, I remember my first two years of therapy, I feel like I cried every session. I didn't even think I said anything. Like there was just so much pain within me from my early childhood experience that it just needed to be witnessed and needed to come out. You know, it was really intense for that. And I remember my therapist, I don't remember anything he said, but I remember that he gave a shit about me. And that was a really big deal for me just to be witnessed in that pain. Um, and after going through that, I went through the, you know, the hard truth of realizing that the world doesn't owe me anything, right? It doesn't owe me happiness, doesn't owe me success, doesn't owe me connections. And that was a hard truth. But I think once you can get over that and not be bitter about it, then there's this really freedom that I'm hearing you talk about where you can take responsibility for your life and take responsibility for your own happiness and be like, okay, it's not going to be given to me, but I'm also not, you know, screwed, right? I'm not messed up forever, but if I can get these things, but I have to be the one that makes it or seeks out people that can help me make it right. Or build a team around me in the form of a therapist or mentors or friends or connections. I love you. I love this point that you're bringing up of, of victimizing myself. I, that was that, that was totally me. It was, Oh, I was almost like I justified what I was doing because I felt like a victim in regards of trying to build myself up through a lot of these experiences of putting others down. And, and I constantly said, well, they don't know, they don't know what I've been through. They don't care. So it's okay. It's okay. And I, I can do this. I can feel good. If I can feel good, that's the, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do anything in my power to feel good. And that's where that, I think reflecting on it now for many years is like, what was really the reminiscence of, of the situation was people have done bad to me. So I'm going to do bad to people and that's all right. You know, and that's okay. And I, and I really take to heart what you're describing about this idea of just letting it go, like letting it flow out of you. You know, I think my experience and your experience in terms of therapy, very similar, like this acceptance of just, I'm going to take everything away, take the masks off and just kind of crumble, you know, within this therapist's realm or this, this room for this hour and be okay with that and feel empowered by that. Because again, what do we, what, what do I tell clients all the time? It's like, you can, you can crumble, but you can always build yourself back up in whichever way that you want to take those rocks, feel the weight, put them in different places that you want to put them in because you can't, you have the opportunity to kind of reinvent and remake yourself in this idealistic way that is authentic and true to you now that you've done this work. So give yourself that time, give yourself that energy to put into your Yourself. And I think that's one thing that I strive to do every day now is self-care, self-love, compassion, everything that I can do for myself within the realm that I'm capable of doing, I, I will do. And I must do every day. There's no way that I can't at this point. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners more about that? How do you maintain, you know, how does this experience impact who you are today? And how do you keep it going after going through that big fall, right? The big catharsis experience? Biggest thing I've taken away from all of my journeys, all my struggles, all my travels, everything 
is that in a lot of ways I can be okay by myself. And it's as simple as that. I tell myself every day through and through with anything and everything, you can rely on yourself to accomplish the things that you can, the anxiety, to get through the anxiety, to have relationships, to be confident, to experience success, to do anything and everything that I do in this moment. It's almost like a daily mantra will say of you can do it. I wake up every day and just tell myself, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it on your own. If you need support, you can seek it through and through. You've come, you've done a lot. You've changed a lot. And that the person you are now is the person that you want to be and, and to be okay with that, to be okay with that. And to accept that I think is the biggest takeaway I've had over the last 10 years of living. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like starting where you're at, you know, something that I try to really instill my clients and instill myself, you know, just being like, man, if you can't, you know, run, start with walking kind of thing. Right. Or just really taking a clear inventory of like, wow, like it really hurts when I, you know, listen to a certain thing or when I'm around my parents or when I, you know, with my relationship partner, we have the same fight over and over again. There is this real like radical honesty and often like very emotionally painful honesty that it sounds like it takes, you know, brutal honesty to really make progress. Um, so many people, I want to say men in general, but that's maybe that's who I talk to more. Maybe it's all humans like live in extreme delusion. I think so much of us are deluded about who we are, what the world is like, how the world works. Um, and it's killing us, right? It's killing us because we're not connected to the present moment. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I love the work that I do at this point with the clients that I have because so much of what I preach or what I say comes from personal experience. And to be able to disclose that information, you know, within limits and, and boundaries of the conversation is what keeps me going. I love what I do because of the freedom that I have to do that. And people, I think, obviously, at this point, pick up kind of on what I'm saying is what, what's worked for me uh, in regards of many of the situations. Uh, to me that it's, it's been most beneficial for just my growth throughout this process of starting a business and being a therapist in general and what that looks like. So I, I, I love it. I love it. I can't, can't say enough good things about what we're doing here. Yeah. Well, you know, we can keep talking about this forever, but uh, we have to wrap up the show. So as we're wrapping up here, Elliot, can you tell people where they can find you? Um, anything that you want to promote? Um, take away. Absolutely. So, yeah. My name is Elliot. I'm a therapist in Boulder, specialized in recreational therapy and life coaching. You can find me on our website, connectedroots.net. Uh, any of our social media platforms at, at Connected Roots Therapy. Definitely uh, check us out. We've got a YouTube channel, got some subscribers on there. It's, it's all things like this, all uh, desubitizing mental health, free psychoeducation. Mark's been on there for sure, an incredible guest. Uh, check it out. Definitely subscribe tap that like and uh, reach out. We're here for you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining. I'm sure we'll have another uh, episode in the future. So thank everybody. Thanks our listeners for listening to From the Ashes. Uh, I'm Mark Azule. Please follow us. Um, check our website at mark-azule.com. That's the hub for everything about me. You can see my practice. You can see my own YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Um, like us on the Voice America page on the Empowerment Channel. We have this podcast comes out every week, every Friday at this time, um, and then push out the podcast platforms following that. So, you know, especially early on, giving us reviews, five star, because, you know, it's worth it. 
helping us, you know, move forward and spreading the word and really giving this podcast a strong start, especially if something that you've heard here resonates with you or touches onto you. And the last thing is that I want to hear from you. I, I'm really interested in conversations, obviously, right, with the job that I have and this podcast project. So please just email us, right? Email me at podcast at mark-aslay.com with any thoughts, if you want to be on the podcast, any guests you might have in mind, um, things like that. So thanks, everybody, and see you next week. Thank you for joining host Mark Azalay for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.